Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Valley Church of the Nazarene. I'm Ben Beckner, Associate Pastor. Senior Pastor Chris Yoakum and I are glad that you have tuned in to listen to our services and sermons. We would also love to have you join us in person at 228 Madison in Monta Vista, Colorado for our Sunday morning worship services that begin at 1015. We also have Sunday school classes for all ages that begin at 9 a.m. During the week, we have Wednesday night programming, including an adult Bible study, Valley Naz Youth for students in 7th through 12th grade, and children's quizzing for our elementary age kids. There are also various other activities and Bible studies that you can be involved in. Please visit our website at valleynaz.com and our Facebook page for more information. We have something for everyone for you to encounter God with others looking to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ as well. Again, thank you and welcome to our podcast. Hello and welcome once again to this week's podcast from Valley Church of the Nazarene. This is Pastor Chris Yoakum, and during December, our hearts are attuned to the season of Advent, anticipating the birth of Jesus. Week three is focused on joy. My message this week is entitled Good News of Great Joy, and it's from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord bless you. Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, because we believe in the integrity of our God and His ability to communicate to us. We believe in the authority of Scripture, it is inspired. We believe in the errancy, the infallibility of God's Word. I also believe we must be good students of God's Word as we gain full understanding. Luke chapter 2, we're going to be starting with verse 8. Those who have ears to hear this morning, hear the Word of the Lord. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who, were, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for, for Luke, who was a very good historian. We're thankful for the inspiration given him to write this gospel. Help us now, we pray, as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, last Sunday, we kind of gave sort of a political view. 
And in the midst of the, the mess of our world, often the mess of politics, as we prepare for next year, the most important piece of information is that Jesus Christ is Lord and that He is the King. And no matter what happens, He will still be the King, no matter who the President is or Supreme Court is or who else, anyone else is, Jesus Christ is Lord and He is on the throne. And He's coming again and we need to be ready for that. But as we come to this time of year and Christmas, we think about Santa Claus and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman. And certainly these are the, the reason for the season, are they not? Well, if you go into Walmart or most stores, that's what you would certainly think. With all due respect to, to Santa Claus and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Rain and all them, they are not the reason for the season, folks. As good as gifts are and, and everything like that, we need to really truly know the, the true reason for the season. I read this. The story is told of a father who decided that Christmas was going to be different this year. He called a family conference and challenged his family to be more disciplined in the management of their time during a busy Christmas season. They had to curtail excessive spending on gifts. He talked about better relations between visiting relatives and a more congenial at atmosphere around their home. He brought his speech to a crescendo with his final rally cry, let's make this the best Christmas ever. The second grade son countered the big motivational speech by saying, but dad, I don't see how we could ever improve on the first Christmas. Insightful, quite insightful. But isn't that the, the crux of the issue? Certainly we, in many cases, have lost sight. As we look at this particular story, what an amazing thing to shepherds, to be the eyewitnesses of the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. What an amazing thing that, that God would choose Mary and Joseph from the place that is middle of nowhere, Nazareth, bad reputation, all of these things. It's all because that this to speak in very clear tone that He is coming down to save. He is coming down to save. Sir Joseph or any of these other things, it is the one born who's come to save. Think about the, the idea of joy this Advent. That's what the angel says to, to the angels here in verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy. Don't you think, I mean, who doesn't like good news? Good news of great joy. Sounds good. Why, in the, why, are we, why are we in the mess during this, this Christmas time? Why, why does it seem like that, that the, the, the true message of Christmas with Jesus coming seems to be marginalized and everything else seems to be highlighted when what we're saying is that the true message of Christmas is good news of great joy? Well, let's look at that this morning. 
So here's Christmas. We see this in verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The one chosen by God to be Lord and Savior. And I think within this particular idea is why we see that why Christmas is so controversial and why so many people reject the true meaning of Christmas and, and get caught up and focused on all of the surrounding things. And it's sort of, we lose focus. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Sometimes we can accept the idea that, that Jesus is the Savior. But why is it not good news to everyone? Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 2 and see this particular account of somebody whom it, for whom it was not good news. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, you can see why, right? You can see right there in the account, here's King Herod. And we know from King Herod, he's kind of a wicked guy. and Boy, he doesn't like anybody who threatens him, right? Even to the point where he, is, he's ki he killed many of his family because he suspected them. He was very, very suspicious. And you have these people, these magi coming from the east, and the first question they ask is, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? Wow, I mean, you couldn't have asked a worse question to, to pique uh, Herod's curiosity and get him all in, in a tizzy. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people, people, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet was written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of, of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to him so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Isn't it amazing? You have these, these magi from the east. They come, and they, they, they see that the Messiah, Messiah has come, but they come to worship him as king. And so you see, we see them bowing down and worshiping him. Now, behind the scenes... Herod acts like he wants to go worship him, but in reality, he wants to go find Jesus and kill him because he sees him as a rival. See this tension here. Verse 13, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. 
Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, take Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and went to live, live in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophet, he will be called a Nazarene. Isn't it amazing how all of these twists and turns in the account are fulfilling prophecy and are checking off all the boxes for the Messiah. And God is directing all of this. But can we see here that, especially for Bethlehem, that first Christmas wasn't a very joyous time. It wasn't a very joyous time at all. Herod is furious. He's searching. And instead of having a a, um, direct approach, he chooses a kind of a shotgun approach, right? Well, I'll just kill all the male babies, two years and under. Can you imagine? Herod was threatened by Jesus' kingship, and Herod went to extremes to prevent Jesus from being king. Good news for him? Was, the, was Jesus' birth good news for Herod? No, it wasn't because he was threatened by Jesus' kingship, his lordship. And here's the question for us this Christmas. What extremes is our world going to in order to prevent Jesus from being king, right? We talked last Sunday about how, you know, what God thinks about democracy. And I read from you Psalm chapter 2 that, you know, God doesn't think a whole lot about, you know, he, about our, our opinion or our majority vote. The reality is God does what he, what he wills. What is his good pleasure? That's what he does all the time because he's God and we're not. But our world is threatened by that. Certainly, we can see that the the babe born in the manger, and and we can accept maybe the idea that he's a a Savior. Even that, though, means means we have to accept that we need a Savior. But the whole idea of lordship and kingship, that makes the Christmas story not, it's kind of a bitter pill to swallow. And here's the other question. Are we living like Jesus is the king of our lives? Those who reject Jesus as king also reject him as savior. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. Jesus is the Lord who saves. You can't have the savior without the Lord. Now, this is a very key point. You know, when Jesus Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph, they didn't get a baby book and search through and say, you know, Oh, man, Jesus, that'd be a cute name. They didn't do that. They didn't say, okay, well, let's pick, pick a name that, uh, you know, from somebody in our, our past and our, our heritage. Who named Jesus? God did. God named Jesus, which is an amazing thing because it shows that God was saying, this one is mine, right? This baby is mine. I'm going to name him. Jesus being the name Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves. It's as if God is shouting at the top of His voice, this is my salvation. I am going to save. I am going to deliver through this one. 
But the reality is that the one who comes to save us is the king, right? And again, you cannot separate those two things. The, the one who comes to save is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And so if we, if we come and we, we are able to, we, we receive Jesus Christ as Savior, but we don't receive him as Lord, we really are rejecting him as Savior. Now, I thought about one example. I thought about the thief on the cross. Turn with me to Luke chapter 23. You know, I thought if, if there's anybody that you could definitely say accepted Jesus as Savior but not as Lord because, I mean, he was the quintessential deathbed uh, conversion, right? Certainly, he simply received Jesus Christ as Savior. But if you look at the account in Luke chapter 23, verse 39, Luke chapter 23, verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then listen to this. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Isn't that amazing? The thief on the cross doesn't just say, Jesus saved me. The thief on the cross recognized that Jesus was the King, the Lord. The thief on the cross recognized, even though this, one, this individual was seemingly powerless on the cross, the thief understood this is somebody very special. The thief on the cross believed what Jesus had said about himself, the Lord saves. And so he received Jesus Christ as Lord, and salvation came to this man. We cannot have the Savior without the Lord. So great joy, right? Good news of great joy. We turn back to uh, our passage in in Luke chapter 2. So we've got good news of great joy, but it wasn't good news for everybody, but we see that it's good news of great joy. Now, this harkens back to the passage we talked about last Sunday. Keep your place in Luke and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. And of course, Isaiah chapter 9 is, is a prophecy all about the coming of Jesus Christ when he was, was born for us, for to us in, in verse 6, a child is born to us, a son is given. It says, the people, starting verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy, right? Again, the idea of great joy, tremendous joy, overflowing joy. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. And so we see there that great joy comes from the provision, the abundance of provision that the king is going to bring. And again, that that speaks about the covenant that God made with, with God's people, that he was going to provide for them and deliver them. As men rejoice when dividing the plunder, for as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdened them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. 
And so great joy comes not only from God's provision, but from His deliverance, right? The Midianites were, were they were like um, locusts coming on the people of, to the people of God. And they were such a tormentor. The people were, del- were delivered from, from the Midianites. So it's as if that. So great joy comes from God's provision and from His deliverance. Verse 5, every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. How is this going to happen? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So you see what the angels were basically telling the shepherds at that point who were part of Israel is the king is coming. You're going to have great joy because God is going to keep His promise of great provision and of deliverance and of peace. But the expectation is that because the king is coming. It's not just salvation. It's also one is coming to become Lord and king of our lives. And so this is where the joy comes from. And so you cannot have the joy of salvation or the joy of God's provision or the joy of God's peace without accepting that you're also receiving the King and the Lord. Because remember, the Lord saves. This is Jesus' name. This is the name given to Jesus Christ by God the Father. The Lord saves. The one who saves is the Lord. They go together. Good news of great joy will be for all the people, which is an interesting construction. Turn with me to John chapter 1. It's amazing that the angels included that in there. It doesn't say good news of great joy for the, for the people, but they have that, that word that is, that is in there is a being word. It's eimi in Greek. Um, you remember like when Jesus would say, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world. That's ego and me. It's an I am statement. And so it's as if the angels were saying, you know, good news of great joy is going to exist in your presence. And I think what, what is being communicated there is in John chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. This is what John records for us. The true light that gives light to every man was coming to the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so what the angels are saying is that good news of great joy all of a sudden is going to be made manifest this good news of great joy is coming in the form of this individual, Jesus. The Word became flesh. God's salvation, great joy, good news of great joy appeared. Like John tells us here, He came to that which was His own. He came to that which was His own, but so many did not receive Him. We must receive Him and believe in the name in His name in order to be saved. So, in other words, Jesus is not a means to an end. He is the end, right? 
Jesus didn't come down as an individual to save. Now, that's what Israel had had so many times. Do you remember even with uh, the judges? You know, so many times the nation of Israel would be in bondage because of their sin, and they would cry out to God. God would send, you know, Samson was one of them, one of the judges, and they would come for a purpose of delivering Israel, and then they were gone, and people would go back. Jesus doesn't come to do that. Jesus doesn't come just to be a person who saves. Jesus comes to be salvation. And I think that's why the angels are saying it. They're saying, it's not just that God has come to save you through Jesus Christ. God has given us His salvation through Jesus Christ. And so, if you're going to receive salvation through Jesus Christ, you have to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord. So often, we know that for so many people, Christianity is fire insurance, right? What's the bare minimum I need to do to make sure I can, I'll get out of hell free card, right? Folks, that's not the way it is. That's not the way that it is. Just like the thief on the cross who had to recognize who Jesus was and who he was receiving and had to bow the knee before Jesus Christ, the Lord and King, Because that's the person who's come to save you. You can't just have the salvation without accepting the person, and the person is King of kings and Lord of lords. Then he says, for all the people. Good news of great joy will be for all the people. And again, what a difficult thing, because as we we approach Christmas time, you know, some people, if you tell them Merry Christmas, they're going to get very offended at you, Right? It doesn't seem like it's good news or great joy for all the people. Turn with me to John chapter 3, just one page over. This is Jesus talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, this religious leader in Israel who perhaps thought he could, by his intellect, come to understand who Jesus was and was going to approach that way. And Jesus tells him, no, it can't be. You must be born again. John 3, 16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Salvation is for those who believe in Jesus' name. Again, the Lord saves. This isn't just a name. It's as if God is coming down to say, like a laser beam, this is my salvation. This individual, this person right here, he is the Savior. Those who do not believe in Jesus' name stand condemned. You cannot come to to Jesus and say, well, I like the save part. I'll accept the save part. Lord part, pitch that out. Then you you don't have Jesus any longer. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the one who comes to save. Christmas is good news of great joy only for those who receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. Stand with me this morning. Final scripture is not on my slides, but I'm going to read out of Luke chapter 6. This is such a great scripture, and it, it puts it just exactly the way that it needs to be. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, 
Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? You see the question that Jesus is asking? He's like, I mean, obviously these were people who were following him, right? What was their motivation? I don't know. But they were certainly calling him Lord. But Jesus, the Lord of all, asked this question, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? Verse 47, I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, okay? Not just Savior, but Lord. This is why we can't receive Jesus simply as Savior. We need him as Lord of our lives. I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. Don't you want a house like that? Especially in troubled times, especially when everything else is falling apart, when there's darkness everywhere and you can't find anybody in government whom you can really trust, right? Where we've got to pick between the lesser of two evils every time where we know that whoever we pick is going to fail us. Don't you want a house that cannot be shaken? You know, the Bible says in the last days, God is going to shake everything so that everything that cannot be shaken will remain. Everything that, cannot, that will, can be shaken is going to fall apart. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Folks, that's the person who claims Jesus but does not make him Lord of their lives. The reason we need Jesus as Lord of our lives so that we will have high regard for his word and we'll we'll be obedient, we'll follow him. Because if we do that, we're going to have a house on a good foundation. Folks, let me tell you, there's a lot of people whose Christianity has no foundation at all. We don't want to be that way. In these days, folks, at this Christmas, we don't know how many more Christmases we're going to have. I'm not claiming that the time is is close, but I think it probably is. Is your house, is your Christianity on a solid foundation? Is Jesus the Lord? If Jesus is the Lord, we're going to do what he says. We're going to put into practice what he says. We're going to read this word. We're going to devour it. We're going to search it out. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit for guidance and help, and we're going to make God's word and his plan and his way the most important thing that there is because that's the foundation. Is our house on a good foundation? This Christmas is Jesus Lord. Folks, when we go out to share the good news of Christmas, here it is, the, the king has been born and the king is coming back. Is he the Lord of your life? Someday every knee will bow and every tongue will profess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But if you do it after Jesus comes back, it's too late. 
Everybody will acknowledge that because nobody will be able to deny it. Jesus will come back with such authority, he will be manifest his lordship. But right now, yeah, it's easy to brush Jesus aside. It's easy to have stores full of Santa Claus and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman. But guess what? None of them will save you. But you make Jesus the Lord of your life, and he will say, just like he said to the thief, you will be with me in paradise. You will be with him. If we make him the Lord of our lives, we will rule and reign with him. We're going to sing Jesus, Messiah. We all know that song. Maybe not a Christmas song, but it should be. Jesus Messiah, the anointed one, the one came who has come to save us, is Lord of all. As we sing this song, if you look at your life and you say, you know, no, I don't. I think really I, it seems like I'm the Lord of my life. Don't go out of this place without Jesus being the Lord of your life. He became sin. That he might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross. Love so amazing. Love so amazing. Jesus Messiah. Name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven. Jesus Messiah, Lord of all, his body the bread, his blood the wine, broken and poured out, all for love, the whole earth trembled, and the veil was so amazing, love so amazing, Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven.
Jesus Messiah, Lord of all, all our hope is in you, all our hope is in you, all the Name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from Messiah, Lord of all, Jesus Messiah, Lord of all. Lord Jesus, we celebrate your coming the first time. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. The babe born in a manger, the shepherds coming, they're worshiping you, and the magi, Lord, so many who saw your majesty and your glory, and yet the vast majority of people, they didn't think you were anything special, and often, Lord, they, they hated you. And want you to be Lord and want you to be king of their lives. Oh Lord, I pray that we would receive you. We would receive your salvation, but most importantly, receive you as Lord. Before it's too late, I pray that we would declare this message everywhere we go. Merry Christmas, Lord. Christ means Messiah, the one anointed to be Savior the one anointed to be king. I pray that you would help us that we might declare this message. Lord, when it comes to the end, the only thing that's really going to matter is what we did with Jesus Christ. It's not going to matter how much we made, how much money. It's not going to matter how successful we were. It's going to be, did we, did we bow the knee and confess Jesus as Lord? And did we, did we live like, like your Lord Jesus that we make you and your word the foundation of our lives so that the house that is built will withstand the storm. I pray that would be so today. I pray for each one of these individuals, each family. I pray your blessing. I pray that, that in the craziness of this season, we would not lose sight Christmas is Jesus, the Lord saves. That's the point. And our world needs a Savior. We need a Savior. And we need a Lord. Lord Jesus, you are a good king. You are God. We follow you. It is our great pleasure and honor to follow you as king. Help us to 
trust you better, follow you closer, and let you rule and reign in our life. Dismiss us now with your peace. We ask your blessing. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. There is snacking yet.